0: Good morning to you, wherever you're watching from. Uh, Thank you for joining us for this service from Stornoway Free Church. Um, It's really encouraging for us to see so many joining online to the live stream and also to the service later on, God willing, this evening. So wherever you are, I pray that God will bless this time of worship to you, and especially that his word will be blessed to you, uh, in your own soul, in your family, in the context in which you live. We're going to begin with praise and we're going to sing first of all from Psalm 108. Psalm 108 and we're singing from the Scottish Psalter and it's on page 146 if you're using the Blue Psalm books. Verses 1 to 5, O Lord God, my heart is steadfast and with all my soul I'll sing. Harp and lyre I will awaken and my song the dawn will bring. We'll sing verses 1 to 5 in Psalm 108. And the tune we're singing to is Stuttgart. Oh Lord
1: God, my heart is steadfast And with all my soul I'll sing At and I will awaken And my song the dawn will bring Lord my God, am I the nations I will ever give you praise in the midst of all the peoples, I will sing of you always for your steadfast love. Is
0: now from god's word and reading is from uh, the the um, prophecy of ezekiel and chapter 37 we'll read from the beginning down as far as verse 14 the book of the prophet ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 to 14 the hand of the lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the lord Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Amen. May God add his blessing again to a reading of his word. Uh, Let's now call upon him in prayer. Let's join together in prayer. our gracious and eternal God. As we come to read your word this morning, we give thanks for the certainty that it brings to us of your own ability, of your power, of your creative might, and the certainty also of your faithfulness to your promises as you showed to Israel and to Judah so long ago. We thank you that that has been repeated in the history of your people even up to the present day in which we live. We thank you today that we can come to claim these promises for ourselves, that we can come by trusting in you, uh, to receive the fulfilment of these promises in our personal experiences. We thank you today for this privilege once again we have, of being together in worship, of our minds being uh, given to the things of your salvation, uh, of your own word, of your glory through it we pray that we may know that you are the lord we may know that you are our god and help us lord to claim you through faith in jesus christ your son to be our god and our father in heaven today we thank you for the promises that you have given to your church the promises that you will bring your purposes to pass through to the end of the world we give thanks lord for the encouragement that this passage we have read gives to us. We sometimes feel that we ourselves are lacking in strength and spiritual vitality. And when we see the world around us, O Lord, so much of the time and so many of its inhabitants living without you or serving other false gods, gracious Lord, we thank you for your reviving power, for your ability to reconstruct and to bring to life that which is dead, For the way that uh, you assure us, even through the epistles of the New Testament too, that even though we be dead in trespasses and sins, you are the God who is able to bring us to life, to set us on our feet spiritually, to bring us into that living relationship with yourself, through which we come to know eternal life. O Lord, we thank you today for the gospel that brings us such a great message. And for the way that you bring to us in your word, that emphasis upon life as delighting the Lord our God. Uh, Because you have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that we should turn from our wicked way and live. And so be delightful to you. Bless us then, Lord, we pray today. We pray for ourselves as a congregation gathered together in this way. And we pray that you bless your word to us. Show to us, we pray, something anew you of your glory. Assure us, we pray, of your own interest in us and of your concern for us, that we would advance in spiritual life and in knowledge of you. We ask, Lord, for all who join us today from different parts of our land and even parts of the world far from us. We ask your blessing for them and give thanks for their interest in the gospel and in sharing together with us in the worship of God. Lord, bless us, we pray, as a congregation during these critical times. Help us as we wait for developments from day to day and from week to week. Help us to look to yourself, O Lord. Help us to have our trust in your strength and in your ability to deal with a situation in the world in which we are caught up. We pray especially, O Lord, for uh, the many people in the world who today have uh, trauma and sadness and sorrow, due to the covid virus and its devastating effects we know too lord that there are many others today who mourn the passing of loved ones who've been taken from this world not by the virus but uh, through other means and we pray for those today who are suffering with various illnesses that we know ourselves and we ask O oh lord that you'd be pleased to bless them and their families in their own lives especially and give them to know of your presence with them as they walk through these valleys of shadows. We pray that the light of the gospel, the light of the world who is Jesus himself, will be made known to them, and will be made precious to them. We ask your blessing for our governments again at this time as we pray for them. We pray, Lord, that you would direct them, that you would give to them to decide upon matters as they affect us all, in a way that would be best for us for our progress as a people we pray lord that you would not turn from us despite the fact that we see so much evidence lord around us and even within ourselves if we are honest uh, that we are not progressing as we should in our thoughts in our deliberations in regard to this pandemic oh lord god we pray that you would make us wise unto salvation that we may realize that you are speaking to us through this as through every other providence, small or great. We pray that you would teach us your ways and draw us into your paths. Help us to turn from evil, from the ways of sin, from the ways of rebellion against you, from ways that would turn to idols, to false gods, to those things that we are so naturally prone to follow, Lord, even to ourselves and our self-sufficiency. Deliver us, we pray, from all that would distract us and keep us away from having our trust and our confidence in you. Bless today, we pray, our children, bless those of them today who join together with us in this service. And those who are unable to do so, we pray for them too. We pray for them in regard to our congregation and other congregations too. We pray for them, Lord, as they go to school and as they are taught in school we pray for the teachers at this time with all their added burdens we ask that you would be gracious to them that you would help them O oh lord at this time with uh, so many additional tasks and so much on their minds to do with uh, with safety and with regulations above the normal be pleased we pray to encourage them we ask that you would make them a blessing to the children uh, so that their education may progress we pray for those who are anticipating beginning further education. We ask that you would bless them, especially those who need to leave home. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless them as they anticipate going to our cities or other places to study there. We pray that you would keep them safe. We pray that they may progress also in their learning. And grant to them, Lord, that you would be their, their, their God and their guide through all of these things. Remember us then, Lord, we pray now as we continue to look to you here as we wait upon you for this short time of worship. Receive our thanks, we pray, and as we confess our sins, we pray that you would cleanse us. We pray that you would forgive our sins, that you be pleased, O oh Lord, to establish us in the ways of righteousness. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now children, we're looking today at uh, another of the Bible animals and today we're looking at the donkey, sometimes known as the ass but uh, usually in these translations we have nowadays called the donkey. And in chapter 21 of of Matthew we find that uh, the donkey is something that Jesus used when he actually came to Jerusalem, um, to arrive at Jerusalem on the way to his death on the cross. Chapter 21 of Matthew tells us that He said to the two disciples, to two of his disciples, uh, Go to the village in front of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt, that's a young donkey, with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is a very important point in the life of Jesus when he came here to Jerusalem and when he fulfilled the prophecy of the Old Testament uh, that uh, mentioned him coming like this on a donkey into the city prophecy from Zechariah from the prophet Zechariah and for one thing it tells us children that the things that were promised many hundreds of years before Jesus was in the world actually came to be fulfilled just as God had said and that itself tells us that you can trust the Word of God that you can trust what God has given us in the Bible Uh, Even if there are things that yet remain to be fulfilled, that haven't yet happened, that are promised to happen, because God has already fulfilled his word so often, you can see that it doesn't matter even if there are hundreds of years between what God promises and it coming to pass. It is true and it is reliable and you can trust in it. And I want you to remember that because there are so many um, ways in which the world around us calls into question the truth of God's word, and will suggest to you that it's really just a bit old-fashioned and no longer relevant to trust in something like the Bible to be true and to be accurate. Here's one of the passages that tells us how could it possibly be that such a thing happened as a fulfilment of an old prophecy if it were not the word of God. That's so often the case in the Bible. The donkey was very important in the Old Testament and in the time of Jesus as well. It was a very valuable animal because it was an animal that was used very much for carrying loads of stuff. And people, of course, themselves, like Jesus here, would sometimes ride on a donkey. It was a very common animal used for different purposes. and Because of that, it was a very valuable animal. And it wasn't just um, ordinary people like you and I, sometimes very important people would use donkeys instead of a horse, and uh, the donkey was very good for travelling on very rough roads. If you're taking a mountain path in those days, the donkey donkey was very sure-footed and it wouldn't uh, actually slip and fall down. Uh, so they could rely on the donkey. And when Jesus entered here on the donkey, a number of things are actually meant by that. First of all, there's the humility. Of Jesus himself although Jesus is a king and was a king then as well he was the king uh, as was shown by the sign of, 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 that was put on the cross he didn't come with all the ceremony he didn't come with all the pomp with all the grand things that kings usually have he came as a very humble person he came as a servant the servant of God the Father and that tells us about Jesus that in order to be our saviour and to provide salvation for us he became humbled he humbled himself to death he didn't actually say about himself well i'm the king i'm the creator of the world i'm not going to sit on a donkey i'm not going to come into the world as a servant i expect people to serve me that's not what you find he actually came in the humblest of positions and he humbled himself and that's important for us Because the most important place in the kingdom of God is the place of the servant, is the place of the humble servant. And that's what Jesus wants us to be. Not to make a name for ourselves, not to think of ourselves as really important, but to do whatever Jesus wants us to do for him as his servants. And secondly, it showed that the kingdom of Jesus, this is the king coming to the city of Jerusalem on this donkey, and it reminds us that the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God, is a kingdom of peace. Because riding on the donkey here is associated with not just humility, but with peace. He didn't come on a war horse. He didn't come with a suit of armor. He didn't come dressed as a conqueror in an usual way. He came as one who was showing that his kingdom was one of peace. and That too is important. For us, because we are required to be peaceful people. We are required to be people like Jesus, who emphasize peace. Who don't actually get involved with stuff that causes problems for other people. Who don't uh, deliberately get angry. Who don't hold grudges. All of these things that are taught in the Bible go back to what Jesus teaches us. what Jesus himself was like so the donkey is important as far as Jesus is concerned it shows his own lowliness and humility it also shows his kingdom to be a kingdom of peace led by the king of peace the Lord Jesus Christ himself let's now say the Lord's Prayer together we'll say it slowly so that the young ones can follow with us our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name Now we're going to turn to ezekiel chapter 37 for our study this morning we're looking at the questions that god throughout the bible uh, posed when he asked certain people various questions we've looked at um, six or seven of them before now in different places in the bible and today we're looking at this question in chapter 37 of ezekiel and verse 3 where ezekiel was asked by god son of man can these bones live can these bones live this vision that he had of this valley full of all of these bones that had all dried up and here's the question that god said to him i posed for him son of man can these bones live what is this about well we need to do first of all a little bit of history and history is always important especially when you come to the prophets and uh, try and find out the meaning of these prophecies in the old testament we need to be sure we're setting them in the right historical context uh, so that we know something of the events behind them and why, therefore, these prophets are saying what they're saying. And if you go to 2 Kings and um, chapter 24, you'll find the background to um, this uh, passage in Ezekiel there, one of the passages as a background, anyway. Where well, you find there that the capture of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar. And the Chaldeans, or also called the Babylonians, Um, and that took place um, really in five hundred and ninety-seven B.C., five hundred and ninety-seven years before Christ. And we read there that the servants of Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. And then the rest of the passage tells you how Nebuchadnezzar took all the important people, the craftsmen as well, and only left the poorest people in the land left in Jerusalem. Took the rest away to. To Babylon as they would do in those days and he placed uh, another king instead of the king who was there at the time Jehoiachin he uh, took him uh, and placed another king instead of him he made his uncle uh, who was called Mataniah king in his place and the reason he did that of course was to have a kind of puppet king there that he could control and that's what Nebuchadnezzar did and he then, uh, we read that Zedekiah, 11 years later, rebelled against the uh, Nebuchadnezzar. And that's when Jerusalem came to be destroyed, along with the temple, 11 years after the first part of the captivity. Now, Ezekiel was taken captive along with that first group in uh, 597 BC. And he was taken to uh, Babylon along with the rest. And it's very really sad Um, episode in Ezekiel chapter 24 where you find at verse 15 the word of the Lord came to me son of man behold I am about to take the delight of your eyes away from you at a stroke you shall not mourn or weep nor shall your tears run down sigh but not aloud make no mourning for the dead and then so he said I spoke to the people in the morning and at evening my wife died And on the next morning I did as I was commanded. Now that was a sign, a picture for the people of the seriousness of what had happened. They had made God angry, they had displeased him and he was arranging for them now to go into captivity and that had happened by the time Ezekiel began to to minister. And so uh, that was uh, before Jerusalem was destroyed in 586. And these dry bones, therefore, represent Israel in that condition, in that situation. You find that if you go to uh, this, this chapter 37, and you go forward to uh, verse uh, 17 there. Sorry, verse 13. Um, sorry, verse 11 of chapter 37. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them. In other words, what Ezekiel is seeing in this vision, all of these bones dried up in this valley that he's taken to, they represent the people that he belongs to in their present conditions as they were then. And we can apply much of that, almost all of that, to periods later than this, When God brought back, as it were, from deadness, from lack of spiritual life or vitality, in what's normally called revivals. It's the same principle, God at work, God bringing to life that which is dead. God adding to those that actually know him and follow him and love him. It's this this principle of revival that you find here in Ezekiel chapter 37. And so we want to look, first of all, what he says about these dry bones and take some lessons from that. And then we'll look more fully at uh, the life-giving breath that's mentioned, where Ezekiel is commanded by God to pray uh, or prophesy to the breath, Uh, where he has has, uh, uh, then the result of that where uh, the bones began, began to stir. So he mentions, first of all, the dry bones the hand of the lord was upon me he brought me out in the spirit of the lord and set me down in the middle of the valley it was full of bones and he led me around among them and behold there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold they were very dry now he's emphasizing there for ezekiel two things that he noticed there were very many and they were also very dry and as the dryness especially that's emphasized above anything else these bones You get the impression they were long exposed to the sun in this vision, and of course that would dry them up after a long time. But the the, the reason it's saying that is that it's making it obvious there is no life in them at all. There is just no life there. They're dry bones scattered around, many of them. And the emphasis, behold, they were very dry. And as you apply that spiritually, That applies to periods in the history of the church as well. Where spiritual life, where spiritual vitality has drained away, it applies even to a person individually. When you come to know of spiritual drainage in your own life, that's really what's happening. You're becoming more and more like, and I'm becoming more and more like a dried up bone that eventually will lose its vitality if it's not attended to if god doesn't come with his quickening power which is what happens in ezekiel's vision here so it's very very dry and when you look at some parts of the new testament and you'll find the description of the church there um, it's quite uh, scary actually how you can find this kind of thing applying to the church and yet the church is not really aware of it you find for example in revelation chapter 3 where that letter to Sardis, the church of Sardis, it says, I know, God is saying, I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You see, the reputation, the outward form of what they had convinced them that they were actually alive, that there was spiritual vitality there. And in fact, God is saying to them, it's not the case, you're actually dead. And you go forward in the same chapter to the church in Laodicea, I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold, so because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. In other words, Jesus is actually saying to them, You're offensive to me, you sicken me, you're not anything like what I would require or expect you, and you should be. Uh, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, he's saying to them there, this is their own opinion. He's actually saying to them, this is what you think of yourselves. You think of yourselves as well-endowed spiritually. You're rich, you've prospered, you need nothing. And yet God is saying to them, you don't realize that you're actually wretched and pitiable and poor and blind and naked. That's what happens, you see, when uh, when, uh, people come to think of themselves in their own abilities or in things that are in, in place outwardly where everything might be there in terms of formality, but it lacks, it lacks life. There's no spiritual vitality there. And that's a scary thing when uh, God is saying, this is what your reputation is, but this is the reality. This is what you think of yourselves, but this is the reality. And God is giving us those details in his word, in prophecy, in the New Testament, in Revelation, So that we can actually look to ourselves and, well, what are the marks of life? How do I know that I'm not just formally a Christian and nothing else? Because all of that can be in place, but yet there's no vital spiritual life there. And it's just a warning to us that sometimes we can, in fact, delude ourselves. And the church can come to the condition where it says, I'm actually okay. I've got everything in place i'm politically important i have relations with government i have all of these things that i'm presenting to the world by way of certain teachings but you lack spiritual life god is saying and that's what uh, you find with ezekiel these bones they're very many it's not just one here and there there's many of them and they're very very dry and here's the question Son of man, can these bones live, God is saying. Now when he's saying son of man, that's really in Ezekiel frequently, he had, God addresses him as son of man. And that's really just a, a, a contrast to God himself. Son of man means human life in itself in its weakness as compared with God. And it's there with this question as well. Son of man, can these bones live? There you are as a a human being. What's your opinion? He says, can these bones live? And that's a question for us today as well as it applies to ourselves. Not just to examine ourselves, but when you look out over the world and when you look at all the dry bones that you see, when you know that there are people who uh, claim to be Christians and yet their life makes it obvious that They're not really Christians in the vital living sense as far as can be seen because we're told in the Bible it's our outward fruit, it's what we are in terms of our obedience to Christ and things that shows whether our profession is is correct or not. The question is, can these bones live? And when I put it to myself, here's the question for me today. Am I as spiritually alive as I should be? Uh, Do I have that vitality in my own relationship with God and with other people that I ought to have? Do I really want to be revived? Do I want to be quickened? Do I want to be the kind of person that God expects me to be more than I am presently? Do I want to advance in spiritual life? Do I want to grow in my vitality, in my relationship with God? Because the answer to the question is an obvious yes. Can these bones live? Yes, of course. You know that God can do it, whether it's of yourself and myself or the world around us or the church in the widest sense. The answer to the question is an obvious yes, but do I want it? Am I concerned for this? So concerned that I will appeal to God and plead with God until it happens. We require to be revived, it's obvious. To anyone in the present day, that when you look at the church at large and its influence in the world, its influence positively, especially for the gospel, its influence in terms of being used by God to bring people to life, it's very minimal compared to what you would like it to be. Minimal compared to periods even in times gone by. Do I want this? Do I want to see this? Do I want to see it on God's terms? Do I want revival as God describes it? Do I want a kind of spiritual restoration and uplift that I read about in the Bible, that I read about in history? Is that something just for a bygone age? Does it belong to previous generations with no relevance at all to our generation? Of course it doesn't. It's something that Ezekiel and this passage in Ezekiel is teaching us. Always we need to look for spiritual life and vitality And we need to pray for that. And we need to pray as we'll see to the Spirit of God for that to come about. Can these bones live? They're so dry, there's no life in them. Can they live? Well, let's see the next part of the passage. The life-giving breath or spirit. I said to him, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them and the words there are really literally prophesy upon these bones. Prophets gave out the word of the Lord. perhaps think prophets in the Old Testament were were just uh, there to predict the future and there is an element of that in it because God very often giving them to see what the future will be as he unfolds it. But they are there as spokespeople, spokesmen for God. The prophet is a mouthpiece of God. He delivers God's word. That's why you so often find the prophet saying, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. In other words, what the prophet was saying, as God gave him the insight, is in fact God's word to the people. And what he's saying here is, prophesy upon these bones and that's important he's directing the prophecy upon the bones he's speaking directly to them he's not speaking above them beyond them he's not bypassing them and that is a hugely important point to make about preaching because when you preach the gospel when you're hearing the gospel preached you want to hear the gospel preached upon you not beyond you not behind you not past you not above you it has to be upon you. It has to actually be the kind of deliverance, the kind of preaching that speaks at you and at your condition. That's what we try to do, sometimes very poorly, I know. In preaching the gospel, we preach at the dead bones. We preach preach at living people. And you see the content of the message that uh, Ezekiel had to give. He says, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And then he goes on, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you, and flesh shall come upon you, and so on. And that's what he had to prophesy upon uh, these bones. And the end result, of course, as described, was that they came to life. The bones came together, uh, but verse 6b The final part of verse 6 there is really important. You shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. You see, that's always the end result that God has in mind. He doesn't just uh, bring people to life and leave it at that as if they didn't know himself. When God brings you to life, he brings you to life to know himself. He brings you to life in relation to himself. He brings you to life so that you will know him as God, that you will know him in a personal way, a personal living relationship with him. You shall know that I am the Lord and to know him as the provider, as the creator, as the saviour, as the deliverer. Every single way in which God is in his relation to his people, you shall know it, he's saying. What a great emphasis that is when, when you come through the Lord's power to acknowledge him, to uh, to receive him as your saviour, then you shall know the Lord. And you know, very often through the prophets, you'll find in the major prophets like Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and also like minor prophets, as we call them, like Hosea. Uh, Hosea, for example, frequently says, you shall know the Lord. They, they had lost as a people their living relationship with God they knew things they knew spiritual activities they knew the sacrifices they knew to an extent the word and the promises they knew formally who they were as a people but they did not know the Lord They that lost that vital living link with God and you shall know the Lord is what he's saying. So what then happens? Well, there's a response. As he prophesied, and that's important too, was as he prophesied, I was as I was commanded, as I prophesied, verse 7, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. And Of course, you find uh, a famous chorus um, based on these words um but what you what you find the detail is there's movement there's sound first of all and there's movement there's a joining together of bone to its bone not just in any old jumbled way but so as to make a skeleton as it is in a human being bone to its bone and then there's they're joining together the bones and then there's sinews and then there's flesh now that reminds us that when god works he works in terms of restoring the right order of things these bones were all scattered in the valley they had been separated they've been there for years they were dried up with the sun and now as god as, as the prophesying of god's word upon them begins to have its effect god is actually dealing with that scattering and with that deadness and he's bringing all of this together these bones in the right order and that's what you find with god when God works in His saving way, he takes what sin has damaged, what sin has broken. That's the nature of sin. That's the, the nature of our fallenness. When you look at yourself as a fallen human being in the light of God's word and its teaching, what you find is that within yourself, things are just a mess. All the connections that were there when we were created between our conscience and our mind and our emotions and our will all of these connections as they were operating then perfectly, they have become broken. The internal workings of the human computer are no longer what they were as God created them. What happens when, when God actually begins and when he does his work of restoration, when he brings us to life, when he actually creates life in us, what he does is he brings all of these faculties that have been damaged, And I've been lying dried out. He brings them back to a right order. He brings them to be properly related to each other. And not only in our individual persons. It's the same with broken relationships. When God sets about the work of mending. That's what he does. He doesn't actually leave it somewhat repaired. He brings it together so that it's as it should be, it's as it once was, as it's intended to be. And grace, God's grace, God at work, God's power is the greatest unifying force in existence. And that's what you find illustrated, demonstrated there. Each came together, bone to its bone. And today, for our personal lives, for our own individual lives, for our relationships, what do we require for all of that to be working properly, properly related to each other, the grace of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God, as we'll see in a moment. But you see, it's saying all of that took place, but there was no breath in them. Verse 8, there was no breath in them. And that reminds us of something else that's very important. That under the gospel, it's possible to have things formally in a right relation, formally in the right place, and yet lack life. We can have everything in place in our congregational settings, in our lives individually, just as Israel had in their experience. It wasn't that they lacked religion, it wasn't that they lacked sacrifices wasn't that they lacked activity of that kind. But you can have all of that without spiritual life. That's what he's saying. There was no breath. There was no life in them. And then the next part of the passage takes us to the next step. Then he said to me, "Um, come, he said, and prophesy to the breath. In verse 9. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Now the interesting thing is that in Hebrew, the word breath is the same word as you find for the word spirit. It's also used for the wind. Uh, the Hebrew word ruach, not to be confused with someone who comes from point. Ruach means either spirit or breath. Uh, or it can also mean the wind in nature. And depending on the context, you actually have to work out, well, what is the meaning of that word in Hebrew? What is the meaning of that word in in the context in which you find it? And here, obviously, because it goes on to say in verse 14, I will put my spirit within you, it means ultimately God's Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's in mind, and what he's being asked is, what he's being commanded is, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy to the spirit, prophesy to the one who brings life, who's going to bring life into this dead form of these bones, even though they've been brought together. They lack life. Where's the life going to come from? It's going to come from the breath, it's going to come from the spirit. So prophesy to the breath. Now, interestingly, notice the difference. He had to prophesy upon the bones, but now he has to prophesy to the spirit in other words he has to call for the spirit to come he's delivering the prophecy to the bones the word of god to the dead bones but he has to prophesy at the same time to the spirit upon the bones that reaches them where they are but then he comes to prophesy to the spirit now that reminds you doesn't it of god creating uh, man in the beginning first man he created, he made from the dust of the ground, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And then you read that God breathed into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There was the outward form, the physical form, created from the dust, fashioned by God, but it lacked life. And the life came from the breath of God. This is not just talking about life in the sense that we have lungs and we can breathe. Life in that sense, it's uh, in addition to what we are physically. This means spiritual life. Spiritual life, spiritual vitality. It came from the Spirit of God, God breathing into the human that he had made. There are two sides to that. There's a negative side, first of all where you can emphasize that there is no spiritual life without the Holy Spirit of God present to create it. It doesn't matter how much we do things, doesn't matter how many activities we have, there is no spiritual life without the Spirit of God. But then you have to emphasize the positive side of it as well. It's not enough to emphasize, as we often do, the spiritual negative side of things. It's so important to go from that to the, positive side as well and the positive side of it is that where the spirit of god is at work savingly there is always life that's the encouraging thing there is always life when it's the spirit that's at work that's why we call for the spirit to come that's why we pray to the spirit and for the spirit of god to come go back to the previous chapter in ezekiel and you'll find that set out yeah, there in verses there 24 to 28 I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. From all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and... And be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And notice the emphasis there. I will put my Spirit within you. That's going forward into the future, of course. But that's always what happens when God revives. This is what He is doing. He is putting His Spirit within us. He's bringing people to life through being born again, and it's on a wider scale when it happens. Many times. To many people at the same time or within a short period. That's really revival. And the principle of it is the same as you find in John chapter 3. Jesus to Nicodemus, these well-known words that you know. um, When Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? and Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from, or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. See the connection there, interestingly, between wind and Spirit, the Holy Spirit, just as you find in the Old Testament here, with Ezekiel, the breath, the wind, the Spirit. John is saying, this is really... Um, what is important that without the spirit there's no life but by the spirit there is life and life in its, in its fullness because uh, as it says there you find so is everyone who is born of the spirit so when we're praying for revival whenever we're praying for God to revive his cause to revive ourselves it's important to actually take note of this fact that you begin praying for revival when you pray to the spirit when you call for the spirit of god as we're privileged to do when we appeal to jesus to the father to actually send the spirit in a greater way in a powerful way that is what he's really uh, anticipating here you pray for revival but you remember you pray for uh, to the spirit You're praying for the Spirit to come. You're calling upon God to send the breath into us. And all of this is really uh, for encouragement. just want to finish with this. Notice verses 11 on to 16. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are clean cut off. Now, God is saying, through ezekiel listen to what the word of the lord says because that's a counter to the gloom that you're presently experiencing or what you're saying about yourselves and it's not surprising that you're saying this about themselves because even the 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 rebuilding that uh, that would take place later on um through uh zechariah uh, and uh when they went back to, to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and the foundations and, and the walls of Jerusalem as you know from Haggai there was a great mourning among the people they looked at this and they said well oh, that's pathetic that's, that, what's that in comparison to what we had what's that in comparison to the wonderful temple that Solomon built and that the, the, the Babylonians flattened God is saying Um, through Zechariah chapter 4 and verses 6 to 7 and verse 10. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And he goes on to speak about those who despise the day of small things, that they shall ultimately come and rejoice. And we perhaps are also in danger of despising the day of small things. We're living in a day... In many ways of small things. But be thankful for the small things. Be thankful for the fact that God is still at work. That he's not gone. That he's still showing evidence that his gospel is effective. That people are being brought to the gospel. And brought alive through the gospel. That dead bones are coming to life. That God is actually at work despite the conditions that you find in the world. And one of the great things that's encouraging to us. Uh, at this time of continuing restriction and lockdown, is that you hear of people who are being blessed through the gospel as it's being disseminated online, as it's being preached, as I'm trying to preach today in a live stream or record it, whatever. But it's still the same gospel, hence the same God. And he knows what this providence is about, that he has, in his sovereignty, um, brought upon the world. So don't lose heart. Don't despair. We serve the God of restoration, the God of resurrection, the God of life, the God of the Spirit, the God of the breath. Can these bones live? Absolutely. Why are we so convinced these bones can live? Because we know of the Holy Spirit. And we know what the Holy Spirit can do. And we have access to God to. Pray to the Spirit, to look to the Spirit. How did um, the Apostle Paul encourage the Corinthians in that great passage in 1 Corinthians 15? There were people in Corinth who had questioned the reality of resurrection, uh, had lost heart maybe over that as well. Um, So the question would apply to them, well, can these dead bones live? What What does God have for the future? What can we anticipate in the future? Well, in chapter 15, I'm going to just read these verses in conclusion uh, of 1 Corinthians 15 at verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. and The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, And this mortal must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is Paul saying, we believe in a God The God of the resurrection. The God of the spirit. The God of the breath. And despite the fact that things may be low at times. And we may be discouraged at times. And may have a preponderance to gloom. As the people in Ezekiel 37 uh, were actually said to be. Nevertheless you're thankful today. That 1 Corinthians 15 didn't finish it. Where we finished that reading. Therefore. Therefore. My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labour is never in vain. Can these dead bones live? Yes. Pray to the Spirit. Preach upon the bones. Wait for God to do his work. Let's pray lord our god we thank you that you are the god of life not only so you're the one who brings the dead to life we give thanks lord for that spiritual resurrection that has taken place in the life of all whom you have brought to know you spiritually that you have brought them alive in their own souls that you have brought them from deadness to life we thank you to us we anticipate that final resurrection from the dead of how you will bring your people at that point to uh, the inheritance that you have laid up for them in heaven forevermore in the eternal kingdom O Lord our God help us we pray to be encouraged to go on serving you now and to do so in a way that will be steadfast and immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord our labour whatever we may think of it is never in vain Hear us now, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now we're going to conclude by singing Psalm 126, 126. That's on page 419. That's in the Scottish Psalter version. When Zion's bondage God turned back, as men had dreamed were we. Then filled with laughter was our mouth, our tongue with melody. And that psalm is in very much, uh, it brings us to the fulfilment, really, of what God was saying um, to Ezekiel and through Ezekiel, where he brought his people from their bondage of captivity um, back to Jerusalem. And of course, that follows through into our own experience of God bringing us to life. When Zion's bondage, God turned back. When Zion's
1: bondage, God turned back, as men that dreamed, were we. sound his sheaves
0: rejoicing Rejoicing.
1: shall return
0: and now may grace and mercy and peace from God the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and with all whom you love now and evermore Amen well let me thank you again for joining with us uh, for this service Uh, if you're able to please join us again this evening at uh, 6.30 when Reverend Kenny I. MacLeod, will be conducting that service. Meantime, may God continue to bless you and keep you safe and through his word continue to give you that spiritual vitality. Thank you.